You're listening to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We hope you're encouraged and strengthened as you listen to this week's message. We got a special, I don't even want to call it guest because he's really not a guest. He's kind of more like family. Um, if you are new though, Jonathan Walton is going to be sharing the message this morning. Um, if you're not familiar with who Jonathan is, he's a teacher, he's got an international ministry. If you Google him, you'll find a really nice website that talks about a lot uh, that he's doing, a lot of messages. Uh, he's written many books, the book, uh, School of the Seers. Um, I've read them all, I can't think of them. Normal Christianity and many others. So uh, it's a real honor to have him here to speak. He's a great guy, and that's to me the best part is, you know, he's just a good guy. Um, but uh, let's give him a warm welcome, Jonathan Welton and Karen. There's Karen. There. Karen and baby Hannah is somewhere. I don't know where baby Hannah is, but. Uh. <laughs> Good morning. Can you guys hear me? Is it on? Are we on? Ah, there we go. Got the power. All right. How cool to come to church on a Sunday morning and hear about your kids in the basement seeing angels and having heavenly encounters. Good normal church. Church the way it was meant to be. Well... We were just talking about it this morning, and, and uh, the first time I came and spoke at New Hope was exactly a year ago. It was the same Sunday. Uh, my wife and I, we travel uh, all over the country, all over the world, in fact, and uh, speak in, uh, you know, in conferences and churches, and, and uh, so our schedule gets very crazy from about Labor Day to Thanksgiving, and so then it slows down a little bit. So I'm actually home for Thanksgiving, and then I can be here on a Sunday morning. So this is how it worked out last year. It worked out again, and uh, now a year later, it's just amazing because we've been attending for probably about six months or so whenever we're in town, and uh, we, just, we just love being a part of New Hope and everything that's going on. Uh, we, came, we came over the summer to the... Uh, the picnic that was out in the yard and, and just to come and be there, I literally, I'm, I'm an introvert by nature and so I, I got off the plane after you know a whole bunch of different meetings and, and just had exerted, all of my introvertedness was, was you know worn out and yet I still wanted to come here for the picnic and was here for another like seven hours. So my wife's like, you definitely like this church. <laughs> So yeah, I, I do, and uh, um, I, I've been thinking too because we've we've had the uh, the Welton Academy classes on Tuesday nights here. We've been showing them on the screen. How many of you have been attending on Tuesday nights? Ah, it's wonderful, and and I'm so honored to be able to do that at my home church and and break that whole prophets without honor in their own country thing, and uh, it's just been wonderful to to partner here. Uh, but I also know that that a lot of people have heard some of my main messages. So I was really praying, saying, Lord, what's something different? And he started putting some stuff on my heart that I haven't really shared other places. I wouldn't say it's deeply personal, but I would say it's fresh. It's something different. Um, So I've been thinking about this, and it's going to sound a little little far out for a minute, so try try to stay with me. But 
we're going to talk about time. Now, time, there's two different understandings of time. There's time that we're going to use this word linear. So if you want to write any notes down or type it in your phone, the first is the word linear. The second is the word cyclical, or meaning it works in cycles. And I think a lot of uh, frustration that happens in our life is not understanding these two aspects of time. And sometimes we get them confused. And, and so I'm going to lay this out a little bit more. But let's say, for example, linear time. Linear time is time is always moving forward. So every year we have another New Year's celebration. We have another uh, calendar year that goes up on the calendar. And you never have 2013 again. You know, we're moving toward that right now. 2013 will be behind us. We'll never experience it again. It's linear. On the other side, you have cycles. So we're in winter right now. Then we're going to have spring. Then we're going to have summer. Then we're going to have fall. And then it goes around and around. So you can sit here in the winter and say, I'm going to be shoveling snow again next year. And then the year after that. And the year after that. So, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So we have, we have two different things here. And the frustration happens because there's, there are certain markers in our life, like with the linear, uh, if, if you're you know, a child, and you know, we've all been there at some point in your life where you're looking forward to something on the linear understanding. And so, for example, uh, when you're 12, you're looking forward to being 13, because now you're a teenager. Ha ha ha, I can't wait to be a teenager. So there's your 12-year-old who's just so excited. And then what are they excited about? turning 16, and then I can get a driver's license, and then turning 18, and then, you know, I'm an adult, I'm an adult, and then 21, and then the insurance rates go down, and, and you know, the, you know you, it starts to get, you know, kind of weirder as you get older, because once you get past 21, it's like all the, most of the linear markers have kind of disappeared. Then you get to kind of the 10s. You're like, now I'm 30, now I'm 40, now I'm 50, now I'm 16, now I'm... So it becomes less exciting as you go on the linear, but, but the concept of the linear is that it, it has, there's an anticipation and an expectation about it. Linear is where you set your dreams. Linear is where you put your goals. Linear is where I want to get to. I want to I wanna get a master's degree. Then I want to get a doctorate. I want to uh, you know, move up in my company. I want to you know, have more children. These are linear goals, and we all have those. And now over here, cyclical, that can have, well, on this side, it can have some frustration because once you've got the goal, then you're done. You can go, okay, well, uh, I got the doctorate, now what? I, should I go back to school for something else, a whole other degree? Should I pursue another area of learning? And so there's something about the anticipation, and then, okay, now what? What's next? And so you constantly have to be dreaming larger. You have to be increasing your imagination. You have to be growing this thing for you to keep setting more goals and expanding it because I, I believe really emotionally, mentally, spiritually, the place that you start to die is when you've, you've ended all of your linear goals. You've met them all. Then there comes in this, this wave of what, what next? So we need to constantly be adding to and updating our linear goals to moving forward or you stop moving forward. 
So that's on this side. Now over here on the cyclical, you have this, this piece where you have seasons, even weeks. Every week you're gonna have a Monday. Every week you're gonna have a Friday. There's a cycle to it. It's built into life. This one especially gets forgotten in our modern culture. I think, I think our modern American culture has gotten very, very involved in a linear understanding because especially technology is linear. It's not cyclical. We're not going back to VCRs. We're not going back to A-tracks. It's linear. It just keeps moving straight forward all the time. And so this, this is what we've gotten used to in our culture. So the, the challenge for us is the cyclical side because this is really based more in the agricultural society. In agriculture, you're living based on seasons. You understand there's an ebb and a flow. There's a time you plant. There's a time you reap. There's a time that... You've planted, you've reaped, now you have a harvest party, and then everything's dead for the winter. So you have that season of rest. But we don't have these built into our modern society. So in our understanding with the cyclical, we don't ever rest, even though the cyclical should be built into a part of our life. Now where I'm going to go with this, I'm going to talk about rest a little bit this morning, but this is a missing piece for us because if we're just living linear, you're always just trying to get to the next marker and then create another one and get to that marker. And if you don't have a cyclical understanding of time too, you don't even have to turn your lights off in your house. You can be up till four in the morning working on the linear, but back in the day, you couldn't. Your candle's going to run out eventually. But we have a whole different understanding now. You don't have to get up and, and go work in a field for 12 hours a day and work hard to, to you know, make your food just enough to go back to sleep, to sleep all night, get up and do it again. So because our whole society has changed, we've lost our connection to the cycles. And these cycles are actually really helpful and healthy even to our body. There's uh, one of these cycles is even built into the way that you sleep. Uh, one study has, a uh, few studies have shown that, that sleep is based on three-hour cycles. So you get tired every three hours. So there's this block of time where you may get tired around nine o'clock, but if you don't go to bed, you're going to get back to being wide awake again, and then you'll get tired again around midnight. But if you miss it then within about a half hour, 45-minute window, you wake up again and you don't get tired again till like late, close to three o'clock. So there's this ongoing three hour cycle that's even built into the wiring of your body, your brain. And so this whole rest thing is actually really important. Now the frustrating part on the cycles is that if, you, if you're missing your rest, if you're missing your cycle of your, your sleep and, and all of that, it wears you out. And you're trying to get all your linear stuff done. So you're living in both of these all the time. But if we don't live in them properly, we wear ourselves out and we, we miss certain things. I'm going to give you a few more examples of some of the, the linear versus the cyclical. I was thinking this through. So we have night and day is a cycle. Weeks, every week you have a cycle of days. But calendar years are linear. Technology is linear. But fashion is cyclical. That's why we have secondhand shops. So the young people can go wear the awful stuff you wore 40 years ago. That's why we have all these high-waisted jeans coming back in. 
because we didn't tell the next generation, don't do that. <laughs> so we, we have these cycles that are going on in, in certain realms and not in others. Um, let's see, I was thinking about this. I, years ago, I did martial arts, and I did it competitively for four years in high school, and each time you get another rank on your belt, that's linear. You don't go back on that. You earn a certain rank, and you're there for life, even if you get out of shape or whatever. You earn that at that point. Don't look at me like that. But, <laughs> but on the other side, working out and taking care of your physical health is cyclical. So this, this side, you may achieve something. You, you know, there's, there's records that... Um, uh, that, that Pastor Ralph talks about from high school, that he holds those records. But, but we still have to work out on a regular basis to take care of our health. And that can be frustrating because we're so wired in the linear that we just want to accomplish things. I'd like to work out to the point that I am perfectly healthy and then I never have to work out again. You know, and probably we'd all like that same idea. Like, let's do it. You know, let's take a month, get healthy, and then we, we can eat however we want and never work out again. But it's cyclical. You have to take care of yourself on a regular basis. X times a week, you have to take care of yourself. You have to eat right. All of that stuff's on a cycle. And when we don't treat it properly on a cycle, it, it, it breaks down. That's really what happens. So if we don't take care of the cycle in our life, our life breaks down. Now, Another way this happens, and this, this is where some of even the, the concept of the finished work of the cross, which is true. We believe that God finished his work. You're not trying to work to be righteous. He's given you Christ's righteousness. We agree on that. But with that, we also have a cycle. And this is where we get confused sometimes. The kingdom of God advances linear. It advances in a linear fashion. It's always growing. As Matthew 13 says, it grows from the mustard seed to the bush to the tree to the largest tree. It goes from leaven that works through the whole batch of 60 pounds of dough. So the kingdom of God advances in a linear fashion. In Daniel 2, the kingdom of God is a small stone. It grows into a mountain and then a mountain that fills the whole earth. It's constantly growing forward like that. Yet, your relationship with God is cyclical. Now, that may sound like a little bit confusing at first, but let's think about natural relationships. When you got married and you told your wife, I love you, that wasn't the last time I told her, I love you. That wasn't the last time, right? You didn't stop there and say, well, I, I told you I love you a decade ago. Why do I have to keep telling you this? <laughs> Bad husband. <laughs> that is just, you know, part of the nature of relationships in every relationship. It's not, well, I, I hung out with Steve six months ago, so we're close buddies. No, you have to, uh, you can't treat relationships in a linear fashion. Relationships have a cycle that you, you know, there are times where you're apart, you're working, you're doing whatever you're doing, you're raising the kids, uh, taking care of things around the house, and then there are other times that you set aside for that relationship specifically and say, okay, it's just us, it's quality time, there's no other focus. And so relationships operate in those cycles all the time. And you can't put them into a linear box. 
But what happens in some of our confusion about the, the finished work or the understanding, okay, you have everything in Christ, you do. And that's linear. Back 2,000 years ago, something was established in the timeline, the kingdom of God, the new covenant, your relationship with God was opened up in a way that it wasn't before the cross. But now you walk it out day by day in your relationship with him. And what does that mean? That means that there are going to be days that he's teaching you about patience. And then six months later, it's going to come back around and he's going to teach you deeper about patience because you didn't get everything the first time around. And although, you know, we can go, you know, finish work. Yes, yes, it's finished, but you're not. His work is finished. He's sitting on the throne. You're sitting on the throne, but you got some identity issues or you're working through some whatever. And so on this side, we have on our relationship, there's a cycle to it. And there's, you know, you go to sleep at night and he talks to you in a dream. You get up in the morning, you turn on your, your, your worship music on your way to work or whatever, and you have another part of your relationship where you're interacting. And then later in the day, he's saying something to you and hopefully you're not asleep again at work. But, you know, it's, it's a, a cycle that goes around in your relationship. But as the cycle goes around, it should actually increase. That's why he says 30-fold, 60-fold, hundredfold. It's a growing measure. Even with the, the fruit, he says in John 15, that you would bear fruit, that you'd bear more fruit, and that you'd bear much fruit. There's three markers to it, because he's, he's talking about pruning the vine in John 15 so that you'd produce fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. Because each time you go around the cycle in your relationship with him, it should go deeper. You with me? Okay, so connecting this to Scripture, I, I was thinking about in Matthew chapter 9, and you can put this in your notes, Matthew 9, 16, and 17. It's the passage where Jesus is talking about the new wine and the new wineskins. And you have this, this passage where when we read it in the English, it just says new wine, new wineskins. And to us, it's, it's flattened. But actually, the, the two Greek words that are used here are very different. It's, he actually says that you'd pour neos wine into kanos wineskins. It's an interesting concept. What he's actually saying, these two Greek words are very different. And, and I'll give you an example. If we go out in the parking lot and somebody has gone out and bought a 2014, we'll just say a... a Cadillac, uh, or a Chevy Cavalier, 2014, sitting in the parking lot right now. If we go out there, that is a Neos car. It's brand new, but it's just like the 2013 in, in the way that it's been created, except with some additional features, or it's newer. If we went out in the, car, in the, in the parking lot and I were to show you a car that doesn't yet exist, that flies and is fed based on a saltwater fuel, and you can fly around Rochester with it, that would be a Kanos form of new. It's new in the sense of prototype, in the sense of it's never existed before. It's like nothing that's ever been there before. Jesus uses both of these words in this passage. He says you need Neos wine put into Kanos wineskins. 
Hmm. So what's going on here? He's addressing our mindset. See, your, your understanding, I say it this way, being filled with the Holy Spirit is cyclical. Yes. Renewing the mind is linear. Being filled with the Spirit is something you're going to have to do for the rest of your life. This is why it says in Ephesians 2, be being is actually the, the, uh, the way that it's worded in the original language. Be being filled. Be being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. It's ongoing, constant, all the time. But the renewing of the mind is linear because there's certain things that you used to think that you'll never think again. You, you came out of that. You said, you know what? I used to think this about myself, and then I learned that that's not true. I used to think this about God. I learned that that's not true. It's linear. You're actually advancing with the renewing of the mind. So he's saying the Holy Spirit, that new wine, he's, he's always, it's still the Holy Spirit. He's just refreshing and refilling. So it's neos. It's still a Chevy Cavalier, but now it's 2014. Then it's 2015. It's, he's updating his presence, refilling you, re-pouring into you. That is the cyclical, the neos wine. But he's saying over here, you need to become a kanos, become something that's never existed before on the linear timeline. The change in your thinking as you become something you've never become before. And what happens in our spiritual walk, some of us get so, so good at the cyclical. I read my Bible every morning. I listen to Caleb all day long. I, you know, I'm popping the cassettes in my car. Like, you know, and, and you get so good at your cycle here that, that maybe you've stopped advancing on the linear to say there's got to be more renewing to my mind, which is the pursuit of truth, the pursuit of growth, the pursuit that says, okay, I, I understand this, but there has to be more. That's, right. That's where the linear gets in. So we can end up lopsided in either way on this. Some of us, we can, we can so be pursuing the linear that we forget about the relational aspect and we stop sitting down and reading the scripture and spending time in an intimate way. But you have to have both of these in your walk. So some of you are being challenged here, some of you are being challenged here, but either way, you, you need the Kanos wineskin. You need to grow, you need to be renewed, you need to be advancing in your walk and your understanding as well as you need to continually be being filled. Get the new wine, refilled, get some more new wine. The other thing too, and I, I thought this was a great observation, I, don't, I know we're all uh, Protestants, but um, I have a friend who was telling me this about wine. I don't know enough about wine to say whether it's true or not, but he said that uh, wine is always sharp when it's new. Hmm. So there's something about sharp new wine that it gets in there, it reinvigorates, it refreshes you, it brings a sharpness back to your life. And even sometimes when the Lord's bringing in something new, like the, the Toronto blessing that happened now almost 20 years ago, it'll be 20 years in January, that, that when something like that comes into the body, if you're only used to old wine that's mellow and smooth, new wine can be like, woo, not for me. I just want the old mellow that I'm used to. So sometimes, too, we have to adjust our heart to say, I'm... 
I'm ready, I'm open, I'm willing to continue to grow, to continue to advance, and even to take in new wine, which may have a little sharp bite to it sometimes. Yes? Well, part of this is just thinking about this, uh, the, the seasons. It kind of threw me off a couple, about a week ago, we had been on the road for, uh, for me it was three weeks, for Karen it was about four weeks that we'd been traveling on the road, but most of the places that I went to were actually really nice warm climates. So we were in LA, I was in Texas, I was in Orlando, and then I got on a plane in LA one morning and then arrived back here the Saturday that it started snowing for the first time. And so I land in Rochester and it's 18 degrees outside, like I'm at the airport, Arctic blast, you know, and, and just thinking, oh, it's good to be home. And, <laughs> and, and just that shift in seasons, we, we experience it so strong here. I mean, people travel around the country to see the fall season, which is, which is my favorite. You know, you have the leaves changing and pumpkin everything, and, and it's, it's just, it's that time of year. That's my favorite season. I, I used to call it hoodie weather. It's, it's the first, you can put your hoodie back on. You haven't worn it in four months. And, and you know, we have up here, we have uh, three seasons of, of snow and one season of construction, or, or, or three seasons of snow and three months of bad sledding. And so, you know, it's just, we, we just experience these seasons on such an intense kind of level, and it got me thinking that, that we have to, like, change our focus when it becomes this winter time. Because even as, as the Lord is put into nature, it's a time when everything dies. It's a time when everything goes down into the ground again, and, and the nitrogen rebuilds in the ground for another growing season, and there's that process that's built into the earth, and we have to adjust with it. The days get long, the days get dark, and there's that, that process that I believe it's really a time that the Lord focuses us back on rest. We have all these holidays built into it with Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and, and all of that is, is built into this time when everything goes into rest, everything goes back to family focus, everything is like... And so I would encourage us to get back to an understanding, back to a place of it's a time to rest. So maybe you've been running really hard, I, and you can take this as a prophetic word, but I believe the Lord is talking to us about it's a time to rest. It's a time, although there are all the linear stuff, you'll get there, it's going to happen, keep going for it, but in your heart, it's a time to, and to come back to some rest. So with that, I'm going to lay out some things I've, I've found about rest in the scripture, uh, just lay a little foundation for us, because this is a big theme that's rarely talked about. So we're, we're just going to look at a few of them, but I believe one of the first things that we encounter about the nature of God in our relationship with him is rest. It, it comes before everything else. Let's uh, take, for example, that you have Adam, who's created in the garden. He's created on the sixth day. So the first thing he does with God is the seventh day. 
the first revelation Adam has of God is rest. It's the first thing he does. Okay, you're created? All right, now let's take a day off together. I didn't do anything yet. That's okay. I've been busy this week. So you have this, this, this is the first revelation. When Moses is standing in the, the presence of God, he's, just been show, he's about to be shown the backside of God on Mount Sinai. This is in uh, Exodus 33. He asks God two questions. He says, who will go with us and show me your ways? And the Lord replies, and he says, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. If you think about it, in our understanding, it's kind of like he ignored the second question. Like, show me your ways. I'll give you rest. But that actually was the answer to his question. Because that's the beginning of Revelation. It's the beginning of the knowledge of who he is, is that you start from a place of rest. If, if you go back to the six days of creation, the, the creation, the way he models it, he says there was night and there was day, and it was the first day. He puts the rest before the work. There's night and there's day, and it was the first day and the second day, and he models it that way. For us, it's, I'm awake. This is the beginning of my day. But even in the Jewish calendar, they still operate that way. The beginning of Sabbath for them is when the sun goes down on Friday, not when they wake up Saturday morning. Because they're modeling it still after the cycle of how he set it up in the garden. It's a whole different understanding to go, okay, it's the beginning of your day. Start resting. Hmm. It's, it's a very different perspective. I mean, that's, that's very not American. Um, <laughs> we have here even, even one of the first ways that Jesus draws people to himself. He says in Matthew chapter 11, 28, 29, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you a new list of rules, and you can be a part of my church. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't say that. Maybe some other translation. I will give you rest. I'll give you rest, not you become a full member and then here are the rules and here's how you keep it. The first thing you get, you come to me weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. Hmm. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is an evangelistic outreach right there come to jesus and he'll give you rest you are carrying way too much on your plate it's too hard the way you've been living is too hard it's a heavy burden on you jesus wants you to come to him with all your burdens and just lay them down and get rest for your souls well, there's something that people may actually want to hear because it actually sounds like good news but that's not the perception that some of us have, been, have given or have been given over the years. It's like, well, you're a mess, and if you come to Jesus, he'll work on you, and you'll work hard on you for the rest of your life. And you're like, I don't know if I'm ready for all that. Instead, we, we have not actually understood that this is how he starts his relationship, 
is in a place of rest. Come and rest with me. We'll work on the rest. I took, you know, he does all the stuff to make the finished work because it wasn't working the other way. They had had 1,500 years of people working on self-improvement and having a law book and having rules and trying to do it, and it's not working. So he makes you a new creation, and he seats you in heavenly places and says, this is our starting point. Now, walk it out. Most of us have made being a new creation the goal instead of day one. It's not the goal. It's the starting place. I'll just do a couple more of these here, but uh, there's, there's this famous psalm we all have, have quoted at some point. Psalm 23 says that he sets a table for us in the presence of our enemies. That sounds terrifying. It sounds like the worst Thanksgiving ever. But there's something about what he's saying that, that even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of fear and turmoil and warfare and all of that, he puts you in the middle of it, and by giving you rest in the middle of it, laying out a table in the presence of your enemies, why is that in there? Because I believe he gives you a feast of revelation when you can rest in the middle of your storm. If you don't rest in the middle of your storm, you're just going to wear yourself out. And the enemy will just do everything he can to keep you in the middle of a storm. But if you learn to rest in the middle of it, you come out of the wilderness season. You come out of that dry time with all this revelation. There's this one verse in, in Song of Songs. You'll have to look it up on your own. But it says that he, he, uh, she comes up out of the wilderness being carried by her beloved. See, it's, it's, not, it's not that you're out there just warring alone in the dark, wondering where God is. But you actually go through that kind of hard, dry wilderness season. How? By resting in his arms. And he carries you through and out. And a lot of us were trying to fight through those seasons rather than just stop it. Just relax. It's okay. Just climb up in his arms, and he's going to carry you out of there. It's going to be like the poster on your bathroom wall about the footprints. It's going to be like that. <laughs> Took a minute, but you know what I was talking about. It's not in my notes, but I'm going to stay on this for just a second in uh, Psalms. Yeah, in Psalms 84, it says in uh, verse 6, they pass through the valley of Baca and they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each one appears before God in Zion. The, the piece that we kind of overlook, that verse where it says the valley of Baca. Baca means weeping. You may have like a little note somewhere that it says in the margin, weeping. 
So you go through the valley of weeping. You don't live in the valley of weeping. You go through it. But it says also that as you go through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. So there's something about this that is not just surviving a dark season, not just like crawling out of the wilderness at the end going, I made it, I'm still alive. But the reason the Lord puts you in a wilderness season is so that you can turn it into a place of springs. A lot of us are sitting in some of these dry places, some of these wilderness seasons, whatever you want to call it, and we're sitting in it going, I'm just, I'm worn out, I'm tired, I'm wiped out. And one, we need to rest in the arms of the beloved who's going to take you out. And two, you're called into it to turn it into a place of springs, a place where autumn rains make pools. So you move from strength to strength. He puts you in there for upgrade. He puts you in there not to wipe you out, but actually so that by you turning it into a place of springs, you come out the other side and you're stronger for it. So the Valley of Baca is not going into survival mode. It's takeover mode. Find the Valley of Weeping and turn it into a place of springs. Selah. That's a big difference in how we approach even those hard or dry seasons is rest and you're there for upgrade and turn it into a place of springs. Don't just survive it, but you're there to take it over. You're there to change it. So we're not to submit to our circumstances. We're to walk through them in a way that that we take over the valley that we're walking through. It wasn't in my notes, but it is now. (laughs) Two last things. In the Ten Commandments, we have this one commandment that just doesn't seem to fit. It's like that song, you know, one of these things is not like the other. (laughs) You know, you have don't kill people, don't lie to people, don't rob people. And take a day off. (laughs) What? Don't kill people and take a day off. Like, it just doesn't seem to fit. It should be maybe in, like, the Ten Commandments revised. Like, oh, and take a day off. But why? Why in the world is this Sabbath day put in there? And you have, too, you have this this breakdown in the the Ten Commandments where... uh, you have, and this is, this is in Exodus chapter 20, if you want to mark that in your notes. But in Exodus chapter 20, you have, you have these Ten Commandments listed out. And it would seem like these would make for a good society. They make for a good culture. Uh, they, they help us treat each other right. But there's, there's actually three different angles on this. Now, the first is that the first three are about how we interact with God how we treat and value God. So the first one is, there's no other gods before me, then uh, not to make a graven image, a false image, uh, an idol. The third is not to take the Lord's name in vain. That's, those three are how we treat him. 
Those three, one, two, three. Number four is how you treat yourself. That was the Sabbath day. That's how you treat you. You value yourself. People who don't rest ever, and we call them workaholics in our society, they have a lack of value for themselves. Let that sink in. But five through 10 are about how we treat others. Honor your father and mother. Don't kill each other. Don't rob each other. Don't sleep with each other's wives. Don't lie to each other. He goes through five through 10 are how you treat others. So one through three, how you treat God. Number four, how you treat yourself. Five through 10, how you treat others. See, it says how you love your neighbor as yourself is one of, the, one of the summaries of the commandments. That's what Jesus says. He says, on these two, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is, like it, love your neighbor as yourself. I can't love my neighbor if I don't love me. According to the old covenant understanding, I have to love me so I can love you. Because if... I don't care about me at all. I'm not going to care about you at all. So he puts number four in there to take care of you before you even try to do five through ten. Another piece of this on a, just a larger, a larger understanding is that they had been enslaved in Egypt. Now, they've been down in Egypt for 430 years. 430 years, they're down in Egypt... And now they finally come out of Egypt. Now they're standing at Mount Sinai. The only God they've known is Pharaoh. They've only actually experienced Ra making them make pyramids for centuries. And they've been working seven days a week making bricks and then even without straw. So this is the God that's been present in Egypt and how he's treated them. So God now is showing up on Mount Sinai, and he wants to reveal to them, I'm not like that God. So let's make sure we build into the system that you take a whole day to rest every week. He's already showing, I'm not like, I'm not like that God. That is not what I'm like. So he's beginning to reveal himself even in the rules that he's laying down, these really basic rules. Oh, yeah, don't kill people, and let's make sure you get some rest. Just a part of what he's building into his system. Well, and, and for those who may, may think that, you know, well, what about this? Isn't the Sabbath about self-indulgence in the sense of God is saying, you have to take a whole day to worship me? It's a part of our Sabbath that we spend time with him, yes. On the other side, Jesus even rebukes that in Mark 2, 27, where he says, man was not made for Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. So it was God's heart intention for you to have this gift of Sabbath, to have a rest. So not saying that we have to go back to a a rigid schedule of, of following this, in that, that sense, but it should be a part of your life. And even greater now, because we see in Hebrews 4, it talks about Jesus and entering into God's rest. That's right. 
So it's even more so now that rest is just the, the starting point of everything in your life. You should always be operating from a place of rest. Our culture, our worldly culture around us has taught that we do a certain amount and then we earn rest. It's even built into the way that we work. You spend this many decades working, then you can get some rest at the end of your life. Play some golf, move to Florida, stop shoveling, and all of that. But it's, it's built into our system in such a way that, that we don't, we think of rest as a goal. We think of rest as the ending point or a reward for a life of hard work. Even, even heaven is kind of treated that way. Like someday I'll get to heaven and then I can just, like I'll sleep when I'm dead. You hear people say that kind of off the cuff remark. Well, we just, we just have gotten so, so over-focused on the work side and not on the rest side. But you're going to accomplish a lot more if you start from a place of rest. If you start from that place of security, identity, resting in Christ, and then advance, you're going to actually not burn out. And you can stay advancing the kingdom and being a part of that. Our, our last verse is uh, in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. It says, In returning and rest, you will be saved. Returning and rest, you will be saved. And the word saved there, one of, the, one of the meanings of that word is made whole. So in returning and rest, you'll be made whole. Now, there's probably a historical context that's connected to this verse that I'm not getting into right now, but I'm just going to take it at its face value for us that if we can follow that advice in returning and resting, you can be made whole. And some of us, we've, we've so worn out our, our rest, we've worn out our, our strength, we've worn out all these things that at this point, I just want to encourage us to switch back, return back. It's a season of rest. It's a time of rest. It's a time for family. It's a time for all of that to go and just settle into it. And it's going to be a little while. And some of us, we haven't been here in a while. And it's okay. And if you're so used to just the linear and not the cyclical, it can, it can feel like, what's the difference between rest and laziness? And I'm not accomplishing, and I'm not moving forward, and I'm not meeting my goals. Stop. It's okay. It's, it's not time for that. that that'll, that'll be there, but you're in a cycle as well. So in this cycle, you want to step into the rest, embrace it, return, and just enjoy it right now. So let's do this. Just where you're sitting, put your hands in front of you. Just hold them out. You can put your things down. Put your hands out in a receiving, restful manner. And close your eyes. And I just want to pray over you. And just, just relax. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this family. I thank you for these people. And I just want to release fresh life into them today. I thank you, Lord, for, for all the family and everything that they've done this week. And Lord, now as, as we move into Christmas and a new year and all the new goals and the new plans and everything else, we just want to start today from a place of rest. 
And Lord, if we've been too hardwired to, to moving toward our goals and not working with you in relationship and walking with you in relationship and the cycles that are in that, we just ask for reconnection today. And Lord, if, if we've disconnected, we just, we just open our heart again and say, Lord, we want to stay connected with you. And Lord, we thank you for everything that you've released today. I just speak rest into the hearts of your people. Lord, that call still is there for those who are weary and burdened, those that need to come to you for rest in their souls, even for the first time. Lord, we just release that. Lord, that this is not about entering into a bunch of works and entering into a religion, but this is entering into a relationship with you that brings rest and peace into their heart and their soul like they've never experienced before. Lord, I thank you even for, for those who are doing that for the first time today with their hands in front of them. And Lord, for those of us who are coming back maybe after a long time away, and just speak a refreshing drink into your heart. Fresh water, fresh wine, fresh refreshing into your souls right now. Just take a minute and soak it in. Just stay right there. Lord, I just bless your people in Jesus' name.